0: What up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Locked on Blazers. I'm your Blazer beat writer and pass-first point guard, Mike Richmond. Blazers have a big old game tonight. A chance to close out the Oklahoma City Thunder at home in Game 5. Wrap up what is colloquial known as a gentleman's sweep. A wee, uh, phrase that Terry Stotts, when his team has been gentlemanly swept out of the playoffs on three separate occasions, while I've been covering the team, has bristled at me writing in the newspaper or on the internet. So I'll be sure to try to work it in there in a positive light and see if my man notices. However, before we get to that game, and I'll have a podcast reacting to that game, recorded in the wee hours of probably Wednesday morning by the time by the time that happens, but I want to give you guys a little preview of, of what I think has happened in the series, and what's that going to mean in Game 5. This is going to be kind of a stats-heavy podcast. That is, uh, generally speaking, the way I I think about uh, basketball. I am uh, just an NBA dork, as uh, I believe past guest Jason Quick has called me on here. Just a nerd. So I want to give some sort of statistical trends about uh, what we've seen from the Blazers, what has worked for them, where have they been at their best, and how can they close out this series against the Thunder on Tuesday evening. Tonight, while you're listening to this. So the first one, the big thing for me uh, that I didn't mention in the last pod uh, that I should have, is that the Blazers won Game 4 in Oklahoma City for a lot of different reasons. But one of the key things that stood out down the stretch is that their defensive rebounding was as good as it's been all year. Uh, According to the uh nba stats site the blazers grabbed 82.1% of the available defensive rebounds that's um that's a pretty dominant number uh, among the best teams in the league the boston celtics the league leaders in defensive rebounding they grab they grab right at 80% so the blazers were at 82% a little a little bit higher than the best in the league and it was key it it the, the Thunder have shot so many bricks in this series. It's, it's been the, the of all the defining things of all the um, the smack talking and the the Westbrook versus Lillard stuff, the, the thing that I remember probably from this series that the wet is that the Thunder just shot a ton of bricks, a ton. And in game four, the blazers made sure that they held on to their lead by grabbing all those missed shots. They held the thunder to 17.9% offensive rebound percentage. Uh, what does that number mean? The Thunder grabbed about 18% of the available offensive rebounds. During the regular season, the Thunder only had one such game where they grabbed fewer percentage of the available offensive rebounds. This was as bad a bat as an offensive rebounding game as the Thunder had all year. Now that stat needs a little bit of context. Late in the game, probably the league's best offensive rebounder, uh, Steven Adams, was on the bench as the Thunder decided to go smaller. But even when, when Adams was in there, the Blazers just gang rebounded. Al Farouk rebounding in a crowd, a key moment. Mo Harkless tipping a ball away from Paul George with about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, another moment that sort of will get lost in this analysis of this game, but it was really key. And Ennis Cantor, for his problems as a defender in the pick and roll that kind of showed up in game three, he was good on the defensive glass when he came in down the stretch. It's kind of the Kevin Love effect for Enes Cantor. It's like, uh, you know, not a good defender, but the thing he's best at is ending a possession. And, and I thought that was, th- that was crucial. And just to quickly go back through the rest of the series to kind of illustrate my point. In game one, which if you listen to this podcast, you know that I think the Blazers just stole that one. They just got dead lucky and stole it. Blazers only grabbed... of the available rebounds, of defensive rebounds. Thunder grabbed more than a third of their misses. Now, there were a ton of misses in that game because the Thunder kept clanging wide open three-pointers. They missed 28 of them. But the Blazers didn't clean up the glass in that game. More than a third of the available rebounds, offensive rebounds, the Thunder grabbed. During the year, the Thunder grabbed about 28 a game, 28% a game. They averaged a little more than a quarter of the available misses. So 36 is a huge jump for them, and it's it's why I thought they probably should have won Game One. But you miss all your shots, you lose. Like I said, I'll remember the bricks. In Game Two, the Blazers were kind of right at their average. They grabbed 72 percent. They had a 72 percent defensive rebound percentage. In Game Three, 72 again. When it's when it has been close, when the Blazers have had those even games and i'll talk about this in the second segment it's been other possessions that have that they've given up but in game one a game that they probably should have lost they give up a million offensive boards and in game Four, a game where they seize control of the series and frankly prove that they're just better than the thunder they grab 80 percent of the offense of the defensive rebounds they dominated the glass And they did it without use of Nurkic. They did it with a ton of minutes with Zach Collins playing in there in in, in important minutes. They won this game in a lot of different ways because of Dame's brilliance in the third quarter, because CJ McCollum is just dialed in right now offensively, and because Russell Westbrook only took seven shots in the second half, didn't make any, and was terrible. But for me... A huge factor in Game Four, and what I will be looking for in Game Five is can the Blazers continue to hold the Thunder to one shot? The Thunder are a very good offensive rebounding team, and they're going to keep missing shots. They got um, your boy Russell Westbrick, as uh, Yusuf Nurkic called him. You know, maybe they maybe they hit a bunch, and 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 it's and and this is moot, but. The way I see it, they're probably going to continue to play at this level where they shoot in the low 40s or below. There's going to be a lot of available rebounds, and the Blazers can win this game by grabbing boards. That's going to be key. The other key is going to be limiting turnovers. Playoff basketball is a possession game. In the second segment, I want to talk a little bit about the Blazers limiting their turnovers, limiting live ball turnovers, uh, how that's played a factor in the first four games and how I see it Uh, continuing to play out in Game 5. Like I said, stats-heavy pod here on Tuesday morning. 25 minutes of numbers with your boy. But before I get to that second segment, I want to tell you guys all about Wise. Wise is the indoor camera that does it all. It's packed with premium features that allows you to see everything from anywhere for only $20. It's got 1080p full HD, night vision, and two-way audio. And their vision is to make smart home products Accessible to everyone. So that's why they're giving you a full HD camera with free rolling 14 day cloud storage for just $20 a camera. That means there's no subscriptions. You just pay 20 bucks, you get the camera. But if you want more than that, Wise has got you covered. For just $10 more, you can get the Wise Cam Pan that gives you 360 degree coverage in under three seconds. And like I said, it's got a free rolling 14 day cloud storage. So everything you capture on there stays on the cloud faux free for two weeks. It also works with Alexa, and you can check it anywhere using their app. So if you're on the go, on your phone or on a mobile de- on any mobile device, you'll be able to track the Wise Cam. So if you want the absolute lowest price, go to Wise. Wyze, that's w y z e dot com slash locked on to get the guaranteed lowest price. All right. So we talked rebounding, It's crucial to the to the Blazer success in Game Four, and it's it's been a kind of a barometer for. Where they're at during the regular during this series in terms of can they, can they give themselves a chance? You know they 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 won in game two because they got about a regular number of of defensive rebounds and they were dominant in the second half offensively. Now you say Michael, you just said in, in game three though they got their they got that sort of season average of defensive rebounds, but here's the key. In game three, they turned the ball over 18 times. On 16% of their possessions, they committed a turnover. And that's why I said this this whole thing, this whole p- playoff basketball really boils down to possessions. When the teams are good and the stakes are high, getting more, having more opportunities to shoot and limiting the chances for your opponent to shoot is going to be pretty key. This is the basics of... Dean Oliver is a basketball on paper, and the Blazers, the game they lost, they committed 18 turnovers, which matched their, as many turnovers as they had in game one, also had 18, they, they, in game one, they turned the ball over on 16.3% of their possessions, like I said, everything in game one suggested the Blazers should lose except the final score, Paul George was so bad in game one that he may have gifted the Blazers the series. Don't get me wrong, they went out and won it with dominant games in games two and game four. But this series could easily be tied and it takes on a very different timbre, a very different pitch. If this is two two in a crucial game five. But like I said, it's okay to get lucky. Series rewards the better team. The Blazers have been the better team. They got lucky in game one. They've been good since then. In game two, a dominant showing. The Blazers' two most dominant showings, game two and game four. That's where they've had their lowest turnovers. 10.8% turnover percentage in game two, 11.5% in game four. They average about four. they turn the ball over about 14% of their possessions during the regular season. So in game three, when they turn the ball over a bunch, that was a huge issue. It's why they lost. Just not enough possessions. In Game 4, when they were so dominant, they just took care of the ball after kind of a sloppy start to that game. They really valued possessions down the stretch. They grabbed crucial rebounds. They stopped coughing the ball up. They stopped giving away easy points. Russell Westbrook had 14 points in Game 4. Seven of them came directly off turnovers. It's just a pretty good measurement for what they're going to do. The the Thunder get steals. Led the league in deflections and steals this year. And those traps that are coming at Damian Lillard, those, those extended defense that's forcing him to give the ball up, they want to just they want to force a turnover, get out, and run. But if Blazers don't turn the ball over and they grab defensive rebounds, they maximize their possessions, that's how you close out a series. That's how you get maybe three or four days off before you have to play game one in the, in the second round. Get a lot of time to sit and watch. A valuable thing uh, in the playoffs. And, and I don't think that's valuable because they need rest physically. I think it's more valuable just because of the mental toll it takes to play these NBA games. If they can close out Game 5, going to be crucial. Give themselves a little, a little brain break for a couple days. Uh, in the third segment, I want to talk a little bit about lineups, uh, how Terry Stotts has, has staggered Damon C.J., how he's used them, and what their impact has been on the court. Uh, they've been really good. You guys know that. But I want to give you a little bit of a sort of a, a closer statistical look at that. But before I do that, I want to remind you guys that when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Blazers. Make it a part of your daily commute. Make it a part of your daily routine. When you hop in your car, tell your smart device, play podcast Locked On Blazers. And if you're looking for this podcast, might as well mention it now. We're on Himalaya, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, stitcher and spotify so yeah find us where you download podcasts when you get in your car tell your smart device play podcast lockdown blazers all right still lockdown blazers still mike richmond terry Sots did a thing in game one that i thought he was going to get rid of he played three minutes in the second quarter with both damon cj on the bench and I think I tweeted it out at the time. You can go back and look through my Twitter feed if you're one of those people who wants proof at Mike G. Rich on that website. But I said the Blazers were terrible with that in, in those three minutes with no Damon, no CJ on the court. And I thought there's no way that Terry Stotts goes to the back of that this game. Certainly, and I thought it was very unlikely that he would try it again in the, in the rest of the series because of how poorly it went. Little did I know Game one was about the best no-dame, no-CJ minutes we were going to see. All series long. Whoops. So in game one, in in those three minutes, with Seth Curry, Evan Turner, Rodney Hood, Myers Leonard, and Zach Collins, the Blazers outscored the Thunder by two points in three very gross minutes. Like I said, the Thunder missed a million shots in game one. What a great gift. The Blazers bench that wasn't even playing very well was even able to take advantage of it. But Terry Sots didn't go away from it. Uh, if you follow the team, you know that our dude is fairly stubborn with his lineup decisions. And I know why he's doing it. I, this isn't a big mystery to me. I don't. I, I don't mean to, uh, to to paint this like what is Terry doing? Um, I know what he's doing. He's stealing four minutes for Damon CJ in the first half, so they can go all out and play a bunch of minutes in the second half. He's just trying to steal three minutes every game, maybe four. It hasn't really worked. In game two, that same lineup, and I—I I looked at all these uh, this lineup data on the uh, NBA Stats website, uh, the media version of the stats site. But I'm, I'm sure it's available on the public version if you want to go look this up. I did not look at any of the garbage time minutes at the end of the games where Damon C.J. are both resting, but it's it's the end of the bench and Anthony Simons and stuff on the court. I'm only looking at. Uh, p- prior to the fourth quarter, the the minutes where Damon CJ rests for these numbers, but in Game Two, in three minutes with no Damon no CJ, the Blazers were outscored by two points. In Game Three, in four minutes with no Damon no CJ, the Blazers were outscored by a point. And in Game Four, with no Damon no CJ on the court over three minutes, the Blazers were outscored by five points. For those of you scoring at home, that means that the Blazers are a cool minus six. In 13 minutes with no Damon, no CJ, this series. Now, listen, I think that group has been bad and I would avoid it. But those numbers kind of explain why the Blazers have survived, kind of explain why Terry's going to stick with it. Because if you're only going to sacrifice, you know, half a point a minute, maybe it's worth trying to make that push, and you've seen in Games 2 and also Game 4, they bring Damon CJ back at the end, and both of those games, the Blazers close the first half really strong. So buying them rest might be valuable. Uh, I think it's a little wonky, those lineups. I think that group is not good enough to play in the playoffs. But I also kind of get why they're doing it. And they've been able to steal those minutes. Now I want to go a little further on this on-off stuff. Through the, this series so far, the Blazers are minus 20. They've been outscored by 20 points with Damian Lillard on the bench. They've actually been okay when CJ, when just CJ sits. Not great. Minus 5. But not <laughs> negative <Not> m- <clears throat> 20. They haven't been outscored by 20 points with CJ on the bench. Dame's obviously their best player and their catalyst, and and, and who they need on the court. Uh, there's been some moments where the Blazers have survived with Jess Dame and, and bench players. Uh, they really haven't done it too well with Jess CJ. And obviously, with both of them sitting, it's been even a struggle. So look, I I don't think I don't think Terry's going to go away from this lineup. From spending the opening of the second quarter w- with his two stars on the bench, I don't think that changes. There's nothing to suggest, but both just what we know about Terry as a coach. Uh, sort of the 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 pace at which he he makes lineup decisions is uh, not super fast. He's fairly he's he gets set in his ways. He works until he gets a bunch of evidence that something doesn't work, and then he gives up on it. I don't think 13 minutes across four games. Uh, three of which that you've won is enough evidence for him to give up on it. But I will say this, those minutes are crucial because if the Blazers lose touch in those minutes, if if they're losing at the end of the first quarter and and you know you're going to get three minutes with no Damon, no CJ, that's where a game can get away from you, where you end up down double digits and have to scramble. Now the Blazers have overcome multiple double-digit deficits in this series. But in Game 2 especially, it looked like they were kind of losing touch and they came roaring back to close the quarter, close the half. But I think those minutes are super important because it's, it's sort of a barometer for how, how hard Damon and CJ are going to have to push when they get back in the game. You get a little lead, you can maybe milk three minutes where the offense just doesn't work very well. In Game 4, is particularly bad. They're outscored 7-2. Uh, they, they just didn't get a bunch of, they just didn't get enough good shots quite frankly you just need you just they didn't need a, a higher quality of good shots it's not even about points they just weren't generating good offense i think that'll be a struggle for them so those are my keys to game five here's how you win game five you grab right around 80 percent of the available defensive rebounds you continue to own the glass particularly down the stretch own the glass blazers do that they'll be in good shape Step two is don't turn the ball over. This seems fairly straightforward, but it has always been this team's issue is that when they get loose with the ball, they get they can get out of sorts. Try to turn the ball over on about 10% of your possessions. That has been the key in their biggest wins. It's about 10% of your possessions. Not 15, not 16, not 17. About 10%. And the last one is survive the minutes without Damon C.J. They have been the two best players in this series. Uh, Paul George has been prolific, but inefficient. Russell Westbrook has been mostly terrible. Except for a Game 3 performance when he reminded you how good he can be. But he's been mostly very bad. The two best players in this series have been your boy Letter O and Lehigh's own C.J. McCollum. Survive the minutes when those two dudes aren't on the court. Don't get behind big in the first quarter so you can't give them that rest that uh, the coaching staff deems valuable. Value possessions. Don't suck when your stars sit. You can win game five. You can have a few days off. That's my keys. Appreciate you guys listening. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. You can find us on the Himalaya app, on Google Play, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify. I'll talk to you guys after game five. Appreciate you listening.